Welcome back to The Benefit is Love. I'm Scott Tharler, an author, freelance writer, podcaster, and certified up-level coach. And I'm Kenya K. Stevens, a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife, and proud mother of three. My husband of 27 years, Carl, and I co-founded the Progressive Love Academy way back in 2005. Since then, we've co-authored two popular books and taught thousands of clients how to express themselves openly and authentically, where the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. If you're considering copping out or dropping out of a relationship at work or home, you're in the right place. So Kenya, it's time to talk about the Progressive Love Academy's third tenet, no cop-outs, no dropouts. So no cop-out, no dropout is a tenet of the higher self. How we really are and who we really are is one with all beings. Copping out of a relationship scenario simply means that your physical body is going to stay in the relationship, but you're not really going to do any personal work. You're not going to try to change yourself. You're not going to try to meet the demands of the relationship because you don't feel like it or you mad, you hold resentment. So that's a cop-out. Have you ever experienced a cop-out in a relationship? Because I have. I've experienced myself copping out and I've experienced others copping out with me. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I mean, my cop-out was usually feeling like my feelings were too big. And so instead of engaging with my partner, I would go downstairs and watch TV and think, oh, I'm just going to mellow out. And I didn't realize until afterwards I was actually copping out. A lot of people cop out when they use the word process. I got to process. I'm going to go process my emotions. And then they just don't talk about it for a while and think it's gone away. And that's their cop out. When you're talking about what is the opposite of a cop out is being present. You've heard that word a lot. (laughs) Being present, staying present in the relationship. And I don't know that we know what being present means if we don't know what not being present means. It's another cop-out not to discuss your feelings, not to share what is going on with you inside. So everybody say, what's going on with you? Nothing. How are you doing? I'm fine. (laughs) That's what cop-out. Our children do that to us a lot. How was school? Fine. That's really a cop-out and they don't even know it because we've not taught them this type of technology. So what is a dropout? A dropout is when you literally decide, you know what? probably after copping out for a long time, you're going to leave the situation physically because it's not working for you. It's irreconcilable differences. They never going to learn. They're not on your spiritual level. All of the reasons we give ourselves to just decide, I'm going to get away from this person. The reason that no cop-out, no dropout is so important as I work with couples is because we do it a lot in this culture and we think that it is effective. We think it's a tool. Well, I left. I'm so brave and so powerful that I could leave the scenario and find something better. No, you're not. You're going to find yourself exactly in that same scenario because that is where the work resides. So we don't cop out or drop out because there's nowhere to go away from yourself. We are one with all and we're attracting exactly who we are. So we may as well work things through. I like that. It sounds like that the copping out is an illusion and that dropping out is a rationalization that you just, you can't get away from it. No, you can't. It's the funniest thing sometimes when I think about the divorce rate, I just think, wow, if we could just get on the same page with what a relationship is all about. 
if a relationship is about growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, then gosh, how do we reconcile stopping growth? Some people say, well, there's abuse. You have to leave. That's fine, but the relationship's not over. You still have to work through it. Even in your own mind, it's going to keep playing on repeat. So learning to work through these, juice out the lessons, this is why we have the no cop-out, no dropout tenant. When I first heard this principle, it really gave me a jolt. I mean, the first couple I understood, no shame and no blame and no victims, no villains. I got them on an academic level and my ego is fairly quick to hop on board and think, yes, of course, this makes sense. But I felt this one more in my body. It just, it hit me differently for some reason. Interesting. It's probably because we're all conditioned to just discard humans. I'm done with you. There's nothing else for us to talk about. I don't ever want to see you again. You ain't shit. That's our fallback when relationships become so challenging. And they only become so challenging because we don't have relationship tools. So that's what we seek to provide here. Now, Scott, I know something about you. I don't want to pull out your personal business. <laughs> <laughs> But I know that you may be, can I say this on the air, that you may be going through a divorce? Yeah. So what's up with that? Topping out and dropping out, speaking of which. You know, what's funny is that you and I were talking and we're trying to figure out where do we go next and how do I take up level into my life and what does this mean? And then I was chatting with my wife and she was saying, I think this is it. I think we've gone as far as we can go. And I said, I know I'm not supposed to feel shame, but how could I not feel shame if I'm in a container with someone who's divorce-proofing relationships and I'm getting divorced? That seems a little off. And so I tried to get to higher self. I said, you know what? Somehow this is going to work out. Somehow it's going to be an example for other people. And maybe along the way, if I can get her and Kenya in the same room at the same time, maybe something will work out. And my higher self knew, like, it's not necessarily about patching things up and the idea that we have to fix something. It's more about what's real. And I've always believed in growth. I've always believed that whatever happens next is the thing that needs to happen. And I'm going to keep going on this path, like you said, unless I do something differently. Sure. And yeah. so we're conditioned that way. We're conditioned through cancel culture that society will cop out and drop out from you if you do the wrong thing. Yes. And so we're so conditioned to be superficial and worry about being canceled. And ultimately, it's just an illusion. It's just a big hologram that is in our heads. And there is real connection and there is real growth. And I'm open to that. But having said that, I am in that situation right now. And I feel like we've laid the groundwork. And so I think what we're going to do here is after a short break, we're going to welcome a very special guest, my wife, yes. Lisa. Your wife. I'm so and excited to speak with her. Finally, you know, I want to speak to the two of y'all for months. I literally have dreamt of this. So just so the audience knows, Lisa and I are still legally married. It feels like we have been on a very real and short path to divorce. So in other words, this is not role-playing. This is not for the sake of the show. We're actually living 5,000 miles apart and we're talking with mediators and all that. 
Kenya, you're going to lead us in an open, honest discussion, and we will just see where it goes. Good, because mediators don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So when we get back from this short break, we will get right into it. So we're joined today by Dr. Lisa Tharler, a hospitalist, life coach, and my life partner for the last 14 years. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am excited, nervous, biting my fingernails, peeing my pants, my heart beating, all the things. I'm right there with you, except for the last one. Anyway, I really appreciate you being here to show up authentically and discuss the dynamics in our relationship for our audience. So with that in mind, I'm going to cop out of my half of the podcast co-hosting duties so that I can fully show up as a guest as Kenya takes over to lead us through a couples coaching session. Lisa, are you ready? Yes. Okay, Kenya, we are all yours. Good. You all are both very brave to be here, especially under this topic of no cop-outs and no dropouts. So that's what I want to know first from Lisa. How deep into the progressive love ideology have you gone? Do you know about the five progressive love tenets? One of them being no cop-outs and no dropouts. And if so, what do you think about that? So everything that I know has been through Scott, who's in your program, not through your direct transmission. So I'm not quite sure how to answer that, honestly. Pretty fresh. Yeah, when your partner knows something that you don't, it's almost like, well, maybe I don't know anything about this. So let's just go over the tenets so that you can give your comment on them. I'll start with the tenet, I create my life. That simply means that I am 100% responsible for everything that happens in my life. Is that something you jive with? Is that something that you've already started to practice or understand? Yes. Awesome. The second tenet is no shame and no blame. What about that one? A lot of people say, well, there are people to blame, but here in the higher self ideology of progressive love, there is no shame and no blame at the end of the road. What do you feel about that tenet? I think that I walk the road of both, but we're talking about from the higher self. Yes. Yes. So from the higher self, I could say that I embodied that less in my personal relationships, but more in my role as a physician. And when you see people at the end of their lives, getting that this is an illness in my life now, what becomes important becomes crystal clear and clarified. And so, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, when I see people in their last moments and how they want to spend them, it is not in personal shame. It is not in blaming the people around them for what could have and what should have, it is purest love. And that I'm privileged enough to get to experience in my work, but authentically in the day-to-day life with my partner, (laughs) does it exist so clear? And do I embody that? For sure, no, because I'm a very human human who doesn't live in her higher self all the time. (laughs) And we've spoken on earlier shows about the ego and the animal. The ego and the animal are not going to agree with these tenets of the higher self not right away, but through the work that we do together, that's what I would love to see happen. What would you feel if you could embody that in your relationships? Would that make a difference? In my relationships. Yep. The personal relationships you have with, say for instance, Scott, (laughs) (laughs) 
or with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where we're going here, but there was a turning point for me when I had a moment of clarity. And this was before I moved to Hawaii. This was December, 2020. It was right after COVID and we were going to move to Hawaii. And I had this moment of clarity about what I had done in my marriage and it hit hard. Like it took my breath away. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? This man loved me. This man wanted to create a life with me. And what did I do? Mm. And I could picture my face as I said the things and what I must have looked like and what it must have felt like. And it brought me to my knees. Mm. Well, I want to go into that because I want to know what happened to your marriage. What was that moment for you? And where were you thinking you wanted to go away from your marriage? What was going on? I wasn't. I just was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. What didn't you know? I didn't know what I was doing. I think as I could see the thread, I think as a woman, we see what we got modeled in relationships. And I think there's a lot of modeling from our mothers, from our grandparents, from society, from friends with this, you know, men aren't really that sensitive. They don't really notice. It doesn't really hurt. We need to tell them what to do, how to do it right. We need to teach that kind of vibe. And I didn't see it or I don't know what Scott's take would be. I don't know if he tried to explain it or just tried to put up a tough exterior, but I really didn't think that it mattered. I thought that I could teach him the lessons, put him in the doghouse. I thought that was how you did it. And that men just kind of stoically were like, meh. I didn't realize how much that must have hurt and made him angry and all the things to have the woman that he chose to love to, to do life with, treat him like that. I didn't know. And then I was very sorry. And that's when I had left home for a few days and I actually had a full death to the wife <laughs> that I was taught that I grew up to thinking I had to be. I totally killed her. <laughs> I had a funeral. I had a whole thing. <laughs> and then I came back and I tried to say how sorry I was. And I said, just so you know, I'm different. I found this paradigm and I, I never remember who it's from, but the idea of a bubble. The idea of a family bubble, a relationship bubble, and this is how I'm going to operate inside this bubble. There's love, there's respect, there's passion. This is who I am. And when you come into the bubble with me, when you come to me, this is what you will get. And it's my job to keep everything else outside or to be outside when I can't be the person I need to be for me to take care of it. Yeah. And I'll let Scott share his response to the, the bubble. Yeah, and Scott, take us back a little bit before the bubble. What was going on in this marriage? How long have you all been together? And what was going wrong that you think this occurred? Well, we got married in 2008. What was going on for me in response was really just the flip side of what Lisa said, literally the other side of the coin. I thought as a woman and as a doctor and as the partner that I chose that she knew exactly what she was doing 
like a superhero. And I had this unrealistic expectation. And I thought that my job was to just sort of sit there and take it, whatever it was. And I didn't know what to do. And I was aware that things didn't feel right. But by that point, I really just discounted my own thoughts and intuition about what was going on. So I would think like, oh, this doesn't seem right. Well, it must be right because it's happening. And I just feel like I kind of lost myself or I didn't have a sense of myself. I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel like I was in integrity with myself. And all of this stuff, they're all just feelings lurking under the surface. Like I knew there was something, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it until after. Okay. What was the primary concern, Lisa? I mean, what was going wrong in you all's marriage that made this bubble burst for the moment? I think a big part of it was what I knew what it meant to choose a partner in my 20s. When I was choosing a partner, it was like, I can't find love from my family. I don't feel like I fit in. I don't know what I'm doing. I finally found an emotional connection here. I better hold on to it and change it into a life partner. <laughs> and it was very immature on some level, right? Like consciously, I wanted to make Scott happy more than any other human on the planet. Consciously, I loved him. I love him. He's the person I chose to be best friends with, to ride or die, partner for life, father of my children. And there was a part of me that was like, and to be that, you need to be these things. <laughs> and I don't really care if you have other emotions, another life plan, because I wasn't a doctor when we met. I wasn't even on a track to be a doctor. I was a freaking acupuncturist, spiritual hippie in California. And it was like, no, I changed the plan and you will come with me or else. I mean, I was like a horror show. And it was like, and we will have children and we will keep having children. And I need at least three. It was literally like, this is my movie. And if you want to be with me, you're going to come the fuck along. And I really steamrolled our whole life despite evidence that it didn't work for him mm. because I wanted this perfect picture I wanted I wanted I wanted and I really didn't care I really thought I was right I really thought this is what responsible people do and there was that and so the life that I created for us and the life that I wanted, the life that if someone met me now, it would be like, I'm a doctor. I'm a mother with three kids. This is what my life is like. Do you choose this? It wasn't like that. You know, that's not what you get when you marry someone in your 20s. You're flying a jet that's being created. And so it's like, what do you mean? No, no, this is how it's going to go. This is what it is. So I think for me, there was a lot of resentment that I couldn't train him to do what to parent the way that I wanted to have my values to work hard to keep the house I mean oh my goodness the amount of life force I spent in arguing about when a trash should be taken out and how often we should clean I mean the amount of time I spent arguing instead of just doing the damn thing or figuring out how to do it. it's like years of my life I would never do that again 
Like, what was I doing? Well, this is really good. I mean, I want to ask you all, are you open to not getting a divorce now that you see that these things can be remedied in more ways beyond one? Either one of you can answer. <laughs> Both of you can answer. Scott, you're the man. Let's hear your answer. Okay. The man answers that I'm open to anything. And just because I can't see how it would work, it could work in some different way. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. What about you, Lisa? When I realized that there was a different way to pick a partner that love is abundant, that there's many possible partners. I wouldn't choose. I think there's a version of my life that I could make work with Scott. Mm -hmm. I could go back to Albany and I could go back to that community and it's a good life. But the way that I operate now, <laughs> the way that I do life now and where I need to grow, it's not being married to Scott in the same way that you were at all okay that's what we want to get to today so when we talk about the progressive love tenants and when we move into some of this I want you all to vent some of this stuff out and this is going to be great but what I want to end up with is at least being on the same page that we don't need to cop out or drop out in order to live our dreams because that is the entire premise of the tenant. And just like you see the people in the hospital bed at the end of their lives, the shame and blame has lifted. All there is is this love and respect. Y'all can have that at any time. You've always had that option and that choice. If you believe that being with this person keeps you from that, then we have an erroneous belief that we have to root out. And we can do it as easily as on this call. It doesn't take that long. This is the purpose of our conversation today, getting on the same page with that. Does that make sense, Lisa? Or does it seem like I'm talking Chinese? It does. And I could say, so Scott would say, you're always saying, how much longer can I do with this? And I'm going to leave and it's going to be over. And, da, da, da. and then one day I called him and I said, I'm done. I'm so sorry. And I'm done. And what was that day about? It was in June, July, June July, or July 4th, July 4th, Independence Day. Oh, how apropos Independence and fireworks. What better time? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. And the reason I knew I was done was because we were at the best part of our relationship. Things were going well. He had supported me through a major surgery. I don't remember a recent thing. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel resentful. I felt such respect for him. And then I knew I was done. That's it? <laughs> yeah. But what is the experience that is calling you? When you say I'm done, meaning it sounds like you're saying I'm releasing this shackle. I've loved this. I've enjoyed this, but it's limiting. And now I need a new experience. What is that experience? Or is it not about that? It was like I could. I just didn't want to. You could what? I could have stayed married. 
I don't think there were a ton of things that I felt like I had to work out or all these things. It just felt done. Like we had completed a cycle. Okay. But you guys are still talking to each other and having, well, we just, Scott didn't really talk to me much. We didn't really talk, but we just started talking again because he's visiting with the kids and I'm really excited to have him here. Oh my God. When he left Hawaii, I cried as if my best friend was leaving because mm-hmm. it truly has been that. So I'm getting a little bit confused. So we have the concept of the bubble that we were getting back to the bubble of love and family and respect. And you're saying that at a point you said you're done. You don't want that bubble. So where is the bubble now? I think it's always the bubble of what I bring to relationships. I just can't wholeheartedly choose Scott. And if I can't wholeheartedly choose Scott, I wouldn't want to do that to either one of us. That sounds horrible. Okay. So we have this very interesting piece that some people don't address in the West. Are we talking about one of the five choices. So for me, I'm a woman. I've been married for 27 years. So I have these five areas that I need fulfillment in. One I call the womb choice, passionate, hot, steamy, primal, sexual energy. That's one of the areas that I need covered in my life. Another area is the money choice. Somebody who pampers me, somebody who teaches me about money, somebody who's mastered money, somebody who can, you know, take me around and money's not a thing to them. Like I want to learn about the material through one of my partners. And then another area is the crown choice. That's somebody I want to connect spiritually with. I want to go deep. I want to go on ayahuasca journeys. I want him to understand spirituality. I want the tantra. I want all of that. And then there's another, the support choice, a domestic person, a person who's just my best friend living in my house, raising my children with me. There's not a lot of this other stuff, but there is that. So when I talk about these choices, I guess I'm trying to pull out of you because this is our first time speaking, which of those areas are missing in the relationship with Scott? And are you of the belief that a relationship, a marriage needs to contain all five of those because None do. I think that to be in relationship as a woman who has, there's a lot of places I've gotten to myself, a lot of beautiful places. And I'm so proud of that work. You know, you have to do the inner work, but I want to be in a partnership where I can be led higher and more than I could lead myself. And in all the areas you mentioned, well, I don't know. You said there were five of them. You kind of left me hanging because I feel like you said four. I don't know what the fifth one is. The fifth one is soul choice. It's a relationship where you all are really none of these other things. You're just doing a life mission together. My husband and I became soul choice and it transitions over the years. That's what we mean. No cop-outs, no dropouts. My relationship with my husband can transition through many phases but I'm never going to drop out or cop out on him because I'm always in relationship with him. He's always going to be my husband. And I put other scenarios into those areas that I also need because I need to grow like you. It sounds like you're saying you want a crown choice. No, I, I mean, I want all the choices. Yeah, um, yeah, we all do. Of course. Yeah. I think the closest choice would have been with Scott, the domestic. And that was like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> 
It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it becomes a nightmare when we don't know which choice it is so that we stay in that lane and just work on that. If we're in that support choice and we're like, but it should also be these things. And then we're tense. And now we're really, like you said, hard on each other in there because we haven't defined what we are and what we are not and will never be and embraced what we are and what we are not and will never be and allowed ourselves to go get the other things so that we can feel balanced, then yeah, it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be like the 55% divorce rate here. 40% of marriage is sexless in this country. But Kenya, if I choose Scott as like the domestic partner, how is that different than getting divorced and just co-parenting really well together? Because we're still going to have that relationship through the kids. I love that we're developing some really beautiful co-parent. You know, I won't share that with anybody else. No one else is going to look at our kids and be like, oh my gosh, I remember when I did this, but that feels like co-parenting to me. It doesn't, I don't know exactly what I'm asking you, but that's kind of where I'm at. I think you're asking what's the difference between deciding you're going to co-parent and getting a divorce. Is that what you're asking? Getting a divorce and co-parenting versus um, being married and co-parenting. Yeah. I just think we don't see that as an option. I think we think that a marriage means that we are constricted to getting everything we need from this person. And that's the downfall of marriage. For me and my children, I'm not leaving my husband. I don't have to leave my husband to go and be free and do the things I want to do. And my children get to know that we're together and that their parents are stable, safe, happy. And divorce, in my view, brings a static that is questionable. People say, but you're divorced. Or your kids say, but they're divorced. It's like, why do we need to say all that? What's the government have to do with us anyway? Very little. (laughs) But there's no difference. Whichever one you choose, you can't be wrong. I'm not here to influence you all's decision on what you do with the divorce. I'm here to open up the options that we're not seeing because it's a very narrow view that we have in the West about marriage and relationships. Yeah. And I mean, that I feel like I'm just talking a lot. So curious as to what your thoughts are, but I have this idea that, you know, Scott and I just were very traditional. We met in our twenties and I just had this idea that it would cause so much pain to us or him like how could I yeah that's exactly the tension that I'm talking about that I sense it's like well I have to do the divorce because if not how do we do that other thing what is that like it's too much it's not gonna work it's not all yeah. the objections that's all I'm here to Kenya the first date I went on I freaking cried like a baby <laughs> I had to have a friend best leader if you're listening I had to have a friend like, I was like, I can't do this. I'm not supposed to be out with another man even to eat a meal. This was literally to sit at a table across and eat. I was like, I can't do this. The guilt broke me. I was just like, I can't. I just. Yeah. It sounds like the first time I ever had a meal with another man. I cried. I called my husband. So I empathize with you. It's hard to break the tradition because. You feel like the bad guy. You feel like, you know, it's going to be terrible. And I was for me. I really couldn't do it. So I know how that feels. I get it. And 
we are exploring and opening options and opening new paradigms. That's what our work is about here. Now, Scott, back to the cop-outs and dropouts. This is why people cop out and drop out, because they have a narrow scope of what is and what they can and can't and should and shouldn't do, especially women. 85% of divorces are led by women because men already going out and doing the shit they want to do. I'm generalizing all men, but our culture already allows them to have these other experiences. Our culture doesn't allow us to even say that we want it <laughs> without thinking we're upsetting and hurting everybody in our surround. So of course people are going to be copping out and dropping out. Does that make sense, Scott? Yeah. And what she's saying, what do you take from what Lisa is sharing so vulnerably? Well, I mean, I take a few things. I think the first thing is Lisa might say this is the longest she's talked uninterrupted <laughs> in the last 14 years with me. It's interesting. It's always interesting to hear her perspective. And I really value this forum because I'm getting some insights that I didn't have before. Uh, a lot of it I knew or had a feeling about, or I knew after the fact, but my experience was that I would agree that there was steamrolling, but I volunteered, you know, I went along with the steamrolling. I don't feel like she ever like tricked me or that she forced me to doing something. When we were talking about moving, I had lived in LA for 10 years and she said, what percentage would you consider moving to the East Coast. If I wanted to go to medical school, what percentage? And I said, 100%, I would consider it. So let's look at it. And we did. And we moved. And I think one of the big things for me in the marriage was Lisa did say, I'm just done a bunch of times, like 36 times. But every time she said it, I felt the same thing in my gut. I feel like I'm better able to understand it now. It was like a paradox, like we were talking about with Colin. I felt both like, I know we can do better and a sort of fear and anger that we hadn't done better. You know, it was like a mix of hope and not hope. I know that look at the two of us, like we've created some amazing things, some amazing kids. We've had great experiences on this roller coaster ride that is life. And I think in a lot of ways, it's been great. In a lot of ways, it's been torture, but it's torture that I signed up for. So then because there's no shame and no blame, and because there are no victims and no villains, this is why this is such a big one for me that no cop-outs, no dropouts. I always said something before I knew about the tenets. I said something that was very similar to this, which is basically, and Lisa, you can back me up on this if you want. She would say, I'm done. And I would say, okay, whatever we do, we're going to change from here because we have to, because we're growing and changing. And I don't know what that looks like. Or if we're on the same path, maybe we're not. I don't know. But I know that things are about to change. How we do things changes. And there's another interesting dynamic that came up for me when Lisa was talking, which is I still feel like I'm in her bubble, but in a box in the bubble. <laughs> she has me in this box of like, you know, Scott represents my youth and a decision I made 20 years ago. And he's very traditional and he would never consider this. And he can only do this. And he's very fixed in his thinking. So I feel kind of constricted in that way. And also, it's interesting to hear a lot of times I didn't know that she felt the way that she did about 
me. And I don't know until we get into these sorts of sessions and things. We had seen a counselor at some point. And so there were certain things she would say like, well, I always thought that Scott was a great partner. She would say something very complimentary. And I just had no idea because I just assumed that everything that I did was aggravation and not right. And so this is it's both reaffirming and insightful to be hearing her say these things. Wonderful. I'm very glad that you recognize that you feel like a box in the bubble. And that's all I was sharing, Lisa, about the divorce. It's that you continuing to be in a relationship with Scott, that relationship still has to grow you and grow him or else it's not a relationship. I don't give a shit about a divorce. I give a, about relationships and this relationship doesn't have to end. I mean, I don't believe in divorce because I think it's ridiculous. It's what are you going to do? You're still going to be with this person for the rest of your life. If you guys are getting a divorce so that you can have this new relationship, why <laughs> grow into the fact that you're a free woman, which you always have been, you didn't take advantage of it. That's not on Scott. <laughs> Okay, grow. What are you guys doing? You're going to be in relationship forever. Scott, I'm so glad you recognized the box. I hope you burst out of it. But that's the point of this relationship. And if you feel, Lisa, that you're going to burst out the box and leave Scott in it, you're wrong because Scott is you. He's a reflection of you. So that means you're going to leave a part of yourself in the box that's going to become the biggest part of you. I'm asking for you guys to be real. That's what up level is about. That's what this communication system is about. That's what progressive love and progressive marriages are about. And I'm floored that we didn't talk six months ago, a year ago. <laughs> I've been trying to tell Scott, like, this doesn't have to go down like this. And you can show your children something better than this. Both of you. Because when the moment your children come to you, oh, I'm in college, this class is terrible, I need to take a year off, I hate these teachers, you're just going to say, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead, put them in a box. Stay in the bubble, whatever that means, and then come back later. Well, you didn't deal with the shit in the box. So when you come back, it's not going to be nothing different. If you don't deal with the stuff in the box, it's going to show up in all your new relationships. Lisa, are you kidding? It's there, it's you. You're traditional. You don't listen. You don't follow. All the things that you're projecting, these are the things that we can grasp and really move and shift so you really get the new things you want. New things don't come from changing environments. I'm sorry. And that is no cop out, no dropout. So back to the tenets, Lisa, that was just my big ego expression of what I see and how I see this scenario at this time. Do you have any share around or what you think about my perception of this scenario? Yeah, I think that when you're doing the same thing and it's not working, it's time to change your circumstance. I mean, like, come on. We were trapped together in COVID in that house and I was working a lot, but when we were home, it was us with the kids, you know, not out. It brought out the absolute worst. And I think getting the space, me going to Hawaii was brilliant. I think changing the external circumstance when it's not working was super important. That was because it was at a breaking point. This decision to separate was the opposite. And I think that it's something I've really embraced. I needed to date 
I consider it like free therapy. Like, what do I think about men? Oh, and it always happens in threes. I attracted three of you to work out my daddy issues. Great. What's next? What do I think about men? Okay, on to the next intimacy part. So I needed the change in circumstance. And I totally agree. I think in relationship, I don't know all the tenants, but I don't know if there's one around polarizing, but it was like, I felt like Scott put me in a box. You will be successful. You will be a doctor. You will be perfect. You will handle all the things seamlessly while breastfeeding a child and crocheting a homemade blanket for them with your other hand and then soaring off to work during COVID. Like the pressure to be perfect, to always have it together, to have the answers, to ultimately be accountable and responsible was like a fuck that. There was no place for me to be imperfect. We just polarized where he occupied this pole and I occupied this pole and we agreed. And so I felt like to grow, I needed out. I needed to reclaim all of me through different relationships, different people, different experiences. Or not just dating, work, all the things. Of course. I I have this gut like, thing around not getting divorced. I don't know. People say like, you'll feel so good when it's done. I'm like, what would be done? We'd be the same, but we'd be ending the marriage part. I didn't come into the marriage with a really great idea of what being a wife was. So maybe killing that, maybe that needs to die to change forms. My oldest was like, I don't understand. She's almost 12. So she's a woman of the world. And that she knows everything. She says, my friends that got divorced, it's all this daddy and mommy. And you get along the best out of people that are getting divorced that I know. I don't understand. I love the time that I'm in Albany with daddy. You know, the kids miss him because my life's in Hawaii. They want to see him more, but they're like, I love it. I love my time with you. I love my time with you. I love the family time. It's still the family time. I don't understand. This is what divorce is. Mm-hmm. Do you talk to daddy? How can you do that? But you're divorced. I'm like, of course I talk to your dad. Of course I love your dad. They're like, mommy, do you regret marrying? No. Oh my gosh. I saw Scott. I literally, all I had to do was see him. I saw him and it was like, this is your person. I got to marry my best friend. That doesn't happen every day. I tell my girls, when you have that opportunity, you take it and you run with it. It doesn't mean that something didn't work or it was the wrong choice. I chose a good man and I chose well. Yeah, I hear you. Then why the divorce? Because will you be able to tell your daughters the rest of the story? Which is, this is how you marry for life. And this is how you marry all of your experiences and all the people you love. And this is how you integrate that. Or will you have to tell them that if you want to really be free and do everything you want, got to get a divorce because you cannot be a free woman and be married. Which story do you want to tell your children? And I'll ask you too, Scott, we all the same age. I'm 48. Are we going to change the paradigm or are we going to keep it on loop? Are we building communities 
where women are free, men are free, we're teaching our children something new, or are we recycling the same thing? That doesn't work anyway. No cop-outs, no dropouts is a new paradigm. When I work with couples, I divorce-proof marriages. Scott, are you open to alternative style marriage? Or are you traditional as Lisa is? <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite as traditional as Lisa, but that's a tough one. Well, I guess it's not that tough. I'm open to freedom and I'm open to happiness. So am I open to some other version of the marriage? Yeah, because I'm on board with the concept that it doesn't really matter if we call it this kind of marriage or this kind of divorce. I still need to deal with my feelings about myself, about finances, about freedom, about my values. And that's where I'm going. So even if it's not in the exact same car of the exact same train, I feel like we both want to get on a train and go somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And that you must, that's what Lisa's craving is growth and movement and change and experience. So my couples typically, when I divorce proof of marriage, I take couples who are separating or already drawing up papers and take them to the fullest, happiest unions of their lives. That's my specialty. And we won't have time in this episode to get to each of the points that we would go through. But Lisa, you heard two of the points. We deal with progressive love tenants, but we also deal with choice paradigm. Men don't often realize that they're not all of those things <laughs> that we talked about the five things. And men have their own five desires that they're looking for, that they need fulfillment in. And they're heartbroken more than the women I coach that, oh my God, I'm not all those things. We don't have time to talk about it on this episode. But this is what I do in my 12 weeks or six months or a year of coaching with clients give them the real groundwork for a real community. When you're building community, there's no need to divorce anyone at all. That's only in the West. Put them in jail. Put them in a rehab. And that's what I've been talking about that with the kids. Like I, I didn't have the perspective Scott did of having my parents get divorced when I was young. I was in my twenties. And so they've seen in my life. So I said, this isn't mean you lose anything. You have your mom, you have your dad. And you could see in my life, I have my mom's partner, my dad's partner, you know, you had your grandparents and you just get more people that, that get to love on you. You don't lose anything. There's just more love. And it, they have a thing, but they're loyal to their dad and they want me to be happy. And what does it mean? You know, I don't have a lot of other men around them, but you know, they're still sorting it out, but I keep telling them, these are just more people that are here at your pace to get to know you and to love and support you. And that's all there is to it. I wouldn't let anyone else be around you in any way, nor would your dad, even though they're convinced that Scott's never going to date again. I don't know. We have two girls that are pretty fiercely protective of him. <laughs> they're pretty fierce. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that they're fierce. And I hope that they can learn that freedom and marriage go hand in hand. So what I'm going to do is just invite you all to speak with me further. I know that this is something that you can accomplish because you have the preliminary techniques. I know you've done a lot of work. Lisa, Scott told me about the work you've done with all my colleagues, you know, Mama Gina, da, 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 but got to get to the big boss at some point. Then Scott, 
I know that you have the prerequisites to do this. You guys can expand rather than contract. That's what I would love to see. Thank you so much for coming on to my show. And Scott, thank you so much for having the courage to bring your wife. You all are lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that was exactly as exciting and soothing and scary as I thought it would be. Lisa, I really want to just thank you for being with us today. And I guess just to say publicly that I really do appreciate you. And I really don't blame you. I really don't hate you. I love you. And I always will. And I'm so excited for the opportunity of getting to grow however we're going to grow. And a part of me is kind of sad because I did have this traditional expectation of I'm your everything and you're my everything. And I'm realizing that by not trying to be everything, we can actually be more for each other. And I've started reading the nine expressions of love. And now I think I need to read more into it. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Lisa, do you have anything else to share? You have the floor. (laughs) After that, wow. How do (laughs) you know, Scott has amazing leadership and I, have been a very hard human to lead being surrendered being led being open is my birthright and did not come easy it had to be reclaimed and I'm so appreciative for you for sticking with the before reclamation part not very many men could have would have I will always be so grateful and you led us here to Kenya. You probably only asked me a dozen times. I also had no idea that we would be doing this like in public. <laughs> I thought maybe we'll have a private call. It'll be fun. Well, that, that was me. I'm pretty much a showgirl. I need a lot of fanfare to really embrace it. That's very cool. I love it. It surprises me. Secret showgirl. Yeah, great. I'm just embracing you, Lisa. Wow. Oh my gosh. Was that (laughs) delicious? Did you ever expect that we could even have this kind of conversation where possibilities are opened up that you hadn't considered? No, I hoped for it. I didn't think it could ever happen. And I certainly didn't think we would be recording it when it did happen. So that was interesting. One of the things that came up for me was I realized that we always talk about copying and dropping out of relationships with others. But for me personally, it's really been historically tied much closer to copying out and dropping out from myself. And in other words, like I'm not taking care of myself the best way I could, not showing up for myself. Or I guess in the case of my marriage of just accepting situations that I know don't serve me in the long run. Right. Yes. I'm so happy that in terms of accepting situations, the biggest thing that I took away from this is that you put in a lot of work on one hand, being with your wife, moving throughout the country, being with her through medical school and laying that foundation. And that may have been some self-sacrifice. However, now it's almost like she's got to put in some work 
and, you know, make some sacrifices and come off her square to continue to be with you? How would she not do that when you've done that? That's what I didn't get about the conversation. I'm like, you guys owe each other forever because you have built a legacy and a family together. I just, I never understand the copying out and dropping out. That's the easiest one for me. I just don't get how one can do that. It's a shame because the copying out and dropping out foregoes everything that we've built. We have built this life together and maybe the life would look different. Maybe it could look different, but to think that we could throw it away, it's such a quick fix. Again, it's a culture thing. Like I'll just do surgery on this. I'll just take a pill. I'll just fix this or burn this. And it's not really honoring what feels organic or what feels right. Exactly. And remember shame and blame. I heard your wife saying, well, you're traditional. She can't be free with you. But then at the end of the conversation, she realizes she's traditional. She's the one who holds herself in a case of non-freedom. So cop out or drop out or not, she still has to deal with the fact that she is the very thing that she's complaining you are. Yeah. And it's very difficult because what I realized about the relationship is that we've built up this marriage. We've had this long relationship. And this is the thing I think a lot of people do. I stayed in it because it's like, well, we've gone this far. I've put in a lot of time and a lot of myself, but what was the self that I put in there? You know, was it my authentic self? And so what I kept coming back to, the reason why I didn't drop out years ago, because I think maybe people who listen to this will think like, why didn't he drop out years ago? The reason I didn't is because I always said, I know we can do something better. I, I just feel like we're capable of doing something better. Like, are we compatible? Are we perfect for each other? I don't know. I just know that we're capable of better. And each time I see flashes of, oh, this was really good. Like we travel well, the sex is good. Like there are certain things where it seems like, oh, we should be together. But I think people, they think too much in absolutes. She has to be perfect. We have to be totally compatible and we have to always get along. Otherwise, this was a bad idea. And I think the absolutes are where people get lost. I think so too. I'm going to continue with you all. And I want the listening audience to know that that's just the beginning sort of session. It really takes weeks and months to shift a scenario like this, but I'm up for the job. So because copying and dropping out happens so often, it's not necessarily just a, a partnership or even somebody you're dating. It could be at work. It could be with friends. It could be another situation. Let's get into the flip side here. What does the higher self need? You know, like when a red flag goes up, like, oh, I might be copying out or dropping out. Is there some practical thing you can tell the audience about like how you sort of get back to higher self or what's a good first step? Absolutely. So typically when one thinks I need to cop out or drop out, they are, first of all, shaming and blaming. So they're saying, I got to get away from this person because they're doing something to me. And so as soon as you realize that you are shaming and blaming, we have systems that support you in moving back into, I create my life. I am the one who is actually creating everything that's happening around me, whether it looks like it's coming from somebody else or not. And that is a principle that you can remember when you think you're going to cop out or drop out. Another thing is when you're feeling like you're going to cop out or drop out, it could be time to really vent and release some emotion and share and open up your animal and let your animal speak. 
because you got to get it on the table so that you can process your emotion, but it's definitely not time to act. Bad idea. Gotcha. Instead of going with this urge to disconnect, it's almost like doubling down and going deeper inside and really like getting more in touch with the ego and especially the animal. Yes, indeed. Sounds good. Speaking of the higher self, for next week's episode, we're going to have more special guests as we flesh out what we mean by the tenet number four, the purpose is growth, the benefit is love. Obviously, it's a biggie since we took the name of the show from it. So that's going to be a fun one to explore more deeply. See you then. So we'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, remember, the purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Kenya K. Stevens is the co-author of the books Uplevel Communication and The Nine Expressions of Love, both of which you can find in print and online. Scott Tharler's articles and other podcast appearances are listed in his Linktree page, which you'll find linked to in the show notes. Speaking of which, The Benefit of Love is available for your listening pleasure on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and other platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow the show and share it with anyone who you'd like to see have better, more peaceful and fulfilling relationships. The Benefit is Love is co-executive produced by Scott Darler and Kenya Stevens with original music by DJ D. Spence. Thank you to Sanu Stevens for all her help and expertise. And thanks to this episode's special guest, the lovely and vulnerable Dr. Lisa Tharler. This podcast, copyrighted 2022, is the intellectual property of Progressive Love Academy. All rights reserved.